1: This is the best of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Appreciate our guest, Rich Greenfield, being ready and willing to appear via phone. He was going to come in the studio. He's been awesome with us before. A lot of you have been asking for him to come on again. And uh, we will uh, we'll bring him in now. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, he's very active there. He is a, a media futurist. He is uh, always kind of on the ball when it comes to stories surrounding the world of sports, media, and beyond. I want to start with you, Rich. First of all, thanks for getting up so early with us uh, and joining us here in the final hour of OutKick. But uh, big news uh, from over the pond, and I know you were in London recently. I want to know how much this surprised you. Amazon getting, I believe it's 20 different EPL English Premier League soccer games and not just the streaming rights to them they get them uniquely is this a sign of what's going to come in America how big of a story to you is
0: this you know Clay first of all thanks for having me Uh, this is a big week in media with so much uh, transformation potentially possible Uh, so it's great to talk about um, kind of the disruption that's happening and when you think about what Amazon's doing you know, Amazon starting. You know, they did Thursday Night Football in the U.S. It's just a simulcast. This is, you know, a relatively small package in in the U.K. for um, EPL. It's you know, a uh, kind of a new carved-out package, but it, it shows you where this is going. I mean, you know, remember six, seven years ago, Netflix didn't matter in the television world. You know, nobody was watching new television on Netflix. They were watching, you know, generally old movies and whatever Netflix could kind of find. Uh, so you have to start somewhere. And I think when you look at how fast the the traditional kind of comedies, dramas, how fast entertainment television has shifted over the last six or seven years, I don't think it's so hard to imagine the tech companies coming in and significantly disrupting the world of sports television uh, as you look at over the next three or four years. I mean, I feel like this is more of a training ground, like Amazon's getting ready to do things like Monday Night Football, which come up in 2021, Uh, Sunday afternoon packages in 2022. I mean, this this really feels like the warm-up. We're learning, we're getting expertise uh, all around the world, U.S., Europe, and we'll be ready to do something much, much bigger as rights become available. Well, I wanted to have you on
1: this week because you just hit on it. I mean, this is a massive week in terms of the transforma- transformative nature it could have for years to come, the impact. And and I teased this earlier in the show, but for people who are just waking up, tomorrow we're expecting to get an AT&T Time Warner ruling on whether or not that merger is going to be allowed or not. Uh, and also, that ruling then is probably going to impact in a substantial way how Comcast decides or if Comcast decides to go after the assets That Fox has uh, put up for sale that Disney has agreed to buy. Now that sounds confusing so I want to unpack it for people who may not have been following this story as closely as you or I or some others have been. So let's start here. Um, What is going on with the AT&T Time Warner merger? For people out there who aren't that familiar with the goal and the intent, what is AT&T
0: trying to do in buying Time Warner? Look, Walt Pisick at BTIG covers AT&T, and I think from the very beginning, he's always felt this was about diversification. So they're a big wireless company, obviously AT&T Wireless. They own DirecTV. So they're in the wireless business, they're in the satellite business, and they're trying to diversify into the content and programming world through HBO, Turner, Warner Brothers. Um, This is really about a diversification move for AT&T you're gonna, you know, but I think what's important, Clay, is that Time Warner is one of the last major pieces on the chessboard. You know, if you think about that media chessboard, you know, Time Warner is one of those amazing assets with HBO and Warner Brothers. And so, you know, I think you're running out of kind of big media assets that someone could buy. And so we'll find out whether that merger, which the government has staunchly opposed and actually sued AT&T to stop, we're going to find out whether a judge allows that transaction blocks that transaction somewhere around 4:30 eastern time on tuesday what do you expect because i'll tell you
1: my read early and look i'm far from an antitrust lawyer expert but i have paid a lot of attention to this story i think the merger in some form or fashion is going to be allowed now they may disallow all of it or require some assets to be sold off as part of this uh, as part of this decision But I think that it's going to happen. And uh, the markets seem to be on my side in terms of anticipating that the
0: judge will allow this merger. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I guess I get nervous when we're all – I share the same view. I read 3,600 pages of the transcripts and basically every single word that was said at this trial. And it really felt like the government, most importantly, failed to prove its case, which leads you to believe that AT&T is going to win. Um, but you know, I'm always nervous that that sort of is the, the you know the, the, the view that everyone believes. But it really feels like that's where we're headed. I think the question, though, is even if AT&T wins, the government appears dead set on trying to appeal, and so they're going to try. Whether that's successful, the bar on an appeal and stopping a merger from closing is certainly a very high legal bar. So. I, I think we're going to end up in the right place in terms of AT&T Time Warner closing over the course of the next, call it eight days. Uh, but it's going to be volatile over that over the course of this week. And you know, the, the real the reason this is so important, coming back to how you kind of intro this segment, is that you know right now Disney's trying to buy Fox, or at least most of the assets of Fox, uh, excluding the Fox Network, excluding Fox News. But Disney's trying to claim essentially the last major chess piece, because if you remove Time Warner and send that over to AT&T, the last big buyable chess piece, you know, not owned by an owner, so don't think of things like Viacom and CBS, the Redstone family controls, the last major asset that's sort of for sale, possibly, would be Fox. And so Disney's trying to buy Fox, but now you have Comcast who's also sitting out there going, God, if AT&T can buy Time Warner... Uh, we should be able to buy Fox as well. And so I think you're going to see a bidding war break out for Fox over the course of the next couple of weeks.
1: Oh, and that's going to be an incredible story to follow. Uh, so linchpin kind of following this story, if you're sitting out in your car, expectation is right now, and, and I agree with uh, with Rich Greenfield, who you can follow on Twitter at RichBTIG, I believe that what we're going to see is the government allowed to, uh, to, to that AT&T merger to take place with time warner that purchase and then as a result the bidding war begins for these fox assets between disney and comcast how's
0: that going to go well clay you know what's interesting is is you know i think comcast Remember, they tried to buy disney back in 2004 i was there that day when comcast launched a hostile bid from disney and the bid was rebuffed it never went anywhere comcast ended up kind of tucking its tail between its legs and running away because um, they didn't want to continue the hostile takeover approach of Disney, uh, and so they lost. Um, they tried to buy Time Warner Cable a few years ago. That didn't end so well with the government suing to stop that transaction um, for antitrust reasons. So Comcast has been trying to get. You know, Comcast loves doing big deals, and they're they've lost these two big transactions. They've always had kind of what I would call mouse envy. They've wanted to be like Disney. You know they've bought. You know they've built in this theme park business. They have the Universal business. Like, they really love. You know the the opportunity of kind of creating the type of IP factory, content factory that Disney has and exploiting it all around the world. They see this as you know both Fox and Sky. You know the asset um, that did both assets that Disney's trying to buy. They see these as really unique assets. And and I think what makes this so complicated or so difficult is. Brian Roberts is an owner. He's 58 years old. He's the controlling, you know, he owns 30% or controls 30% of the vote of Comcast. This has been his family's company from the very beginning. They've built this. He's looking out 30 or 40 years of how do you succeed in this media communications world, and he sees Fox as an integral piece of that global footprint, whether it's Sky in in Europe, whether it's Star in India, uh, whether it's the Fox TV studio in the U.S., he's not losing like he in his mind he is not losing again an asset he really wants on the flip side disney is obviously feeling a tremendous amount of pressure everywhere we look you can obviously see the pressure on espn kind of the concerns that investors have about espn's future they're looking at how do we transform disney into a direct to consumer company and they look at Fox as kind of an integral part of that direct-to-consumer future. Although, I, I will tell you, Clay, the irony here is Netflix became a direct-to-consumer company and, and is obviously hurting Disney, but Netflix never bought a studio. They never bought satellite distribution in, in Europe. So it's interesting that Disney views this as so important to their direct-to-consumer future, and yet Netflix, who they're trying to compete with, never bought any of these assets. So this is going to be a real battle to end all battles. So how
1: do you think it plays out? Like, let's presume that Disney and Comcast are both going head-to-head. Expectations or reports have been that Comcast is willing to pay up to $60 billion, uh, Disney offer right around fifty two, although it's uh, connected to stock, and the stock price of Disney has come down a decent amount since that initial offer was made. Who's going to blink first? Is Bob Iger? Is Brian Roberts? Like, who is going to allow this to, to not happen for his company?
0: Well, that's the beauty of being a Fox shareholder right now, is that, you know, you don't really care who wins. You just see, you know, I think that there was early reports out that Rupert Murdoch really favored a Disney bid and had some quote-unquote romantic notion of being a large Disney shareholder for years to come. Uh, we believe that's just categorically false. You know, uh, we believe Rupert is completely aligned with Fox shareholders. He wants the biggest, most robust offer out there. And, you know, I think the question is, on paper, Disney appears to have the stronger balance sheet, meaning they could offer more. Uh, On the flip side, Comcast seems to be willing to, you know, put more debt and raise more debt than Disney likely would in terms of, how far they're willing to quote-unquote stretch their balance sheet. There also may be, Clay, there may be partners that may be looking to come in and help Comcast strategically or financially that could offset some of the financial burden of a Fox acquisition. So it's a long-winded answer to your question of who wins. The honest answer is I don't know. You know The reality is you've got two companies who see this as the last chess piece, a must-have chess piece both in the U.S., Europe and India there's no other you know like assets. so it's not like you can say oh plan B is this it literally feels like this is a fight to the death and you, you know you're gonna end up having to overpay because there is no other choices that you have there's no plan B to fall back on and so it's gonna I think it's gonna get really ugly And the, the question really is I know this is must have for Comcast the way they look at expanding globally is this truly must have for Disney they say it is. I struggle with it, but I you know, they say it's must have, and so therefore I, I think you've got a pretty even 50-50 shot of who wins this.
1: We're talking to Rich Greenfield at Rich BTIG. Go follow him on Twitter. Thank him for coming on with us early this morning. Okay, Rich, so there's a lot of people out in their cars, all fifty states listening to us all over the country and they're saying this is interesting maybe, if you're interested in, in corporate media and finance as, as I am, and if you're just interested in media in general. What if you're just a sports fan? How does this impact you if you are a casual sports fan out there? Uh, the big asset that's on the table for uh, for purposes of this, obviously, AT and T buying Time Warner. If that happens tomorrow and they get the okay for that, they would own TNT, TBS for the NCAA tournament, for the NBA. That
0: would be interesting to see how that would get integrated with AT. Well, let me stop you there. I think yeah. I think there's another aspect to it that could be really interesting. You know, if AT and T Time Warner happens, my guess is is just looking at the power, size, and scale of that company, I don't think they're stopping with NBA rights, Clay. I think, you know, right now Turner has NCAA tournament, a little postseason baseball, obviously a lot of NBA rights, but I would think given the deep balance sheet of AT&T and their aspirations of kind of premium brands, you know, AT&T could be a bidder for Monday Night Football. They could be a bidder for Sunday Football. Like, I think, my guess is, is their ambitions are far bigger long term in terms of the types of content they want for you know that they want to leverage across their wireless and satellite platforms so you know in terms of what it means for a sports fan you know it could kind of rearrange where sports air as you look out over the next three or four years
1: yeah that's a great point so you think that if att time warner goes through that they're a legit bidder for uh for everything that comes on the table from the nfl and so if you're an nfl fan this could potentially be a big deal. I would think, probably on some level, if you're an NFL owner, you have to favor this murder, uh, this this murder, this merger, just based on that, right? Because in in reality, that probably brings another major bidder to the table for your rights package, as you said. And for instance, Monday Night Football is is running out at the end of 2021, 2022 for all these other deals. That has to be a big deal. And we also should mention, in terms of the NFL and the relationship already uh direct tv is uh is is a big part of this too and they obviously have the uh the ownership of the nfl sunday ticket so for at&t that was a big part of their decision to add direct tv as well
0: yeah look you, you know we started this whole chat about amazon and how kind of the digital companies might have a role in buying sports rights you know not only are you potentially adding in digital buyers whether it's amazon or facebook or youtube But, you know, when you bulk up on a a media company like AT&T, Time Warner, I I think it it gives you a lot more heft to go out and buy rights. And so I I think from that standpoint, if I was an NFL owner, if I was any sports team or sports league um, representative, uh, I would look at the bulking up of media as a meaningful positive as I look out over the next few years, especially when you've got bidders. You know, take a bidder like CBS, relatively small company, Revenue going in the wrong direction. Unlikely that CBS is going to be able to pay dramatically more for Sunday afternoon football. Like, so with all of these new companies coming in, I think you know, you're, you're, you've got to be hoping that you've got new bidders because the legacy bidders are going to struggle to keep paying more as their core business struggles.
1: Part of the uh, big battle for Fox between Comcast and Disney is all of these regional sports television networks. There's 21 of them. A lot of you who are listening right now to this show, you watch Fox Sports Ohio. You might watch uh, you know, uh, Fox Sports South. I mean, all these different uh, broadcasts where they carry NBA, Major League Baseball games on a regional basis – how important do you think those are to Comcast? They obviously seem to be a big part of why Disney wants these Fox assets. How big do you think they are to
0: Comcast too? You know, look, I think each side would like them. I mean, you know, I, I think you you probably see this every day, Clay, in what you do at Fox Sports, but sports is tribal, right? I mean, it's local, it's tribal. You know, I think part of the challenge that, that you know, in many ways ESPN has is that it's national. And I think... You know the, the the core interest base, the, the diehard passionate fans, are, are regional, so or local, and so you care about your you know your lo- you care about your Mets or you care about your Yankees if you live in New York. You know watching that you know Baltimore game of the week or the you know Giants game of the week uh, on ESPN just isn't as interesting, and so getting those those local rights, especially as you think about building a direct-to-consumer platform uh, over time for sports fans would seem really important you know all that being said i think there is a big open question the, the leverage of ESPN combined with the leverage of Fox Sports is probably not something the government is thrilled about so it, it may not even be something that you know uh, a disney can own and i think that's one of the assets that you know they've already earmarked that they would sell if the government forced them to sell so it's not clear but i do think that kind of the local side of sports is a driving force behind this transaction
1: Kind of to put that into context, I'm going to run through a bunch of these for people out there listening. Fox Sports Arizona, Fox Sports Carolinas, Fox Sports Detroit, Fox Sports Florida, Fox Sports Indiana, Fox Sports Kansas City, Fox Sports Midwest. Fox Sports New Orleans, Fox Sports North, Fox Sports Ohio, Fox Sports Oklahoma, Fox Sports San Diego, Fox Sports South, Fox Sports Southeast, Fox Sports Southwest, Fox Sports Sun, Fox Sports Tennessee, Fox Sports West, Fox Sports Wisconsin. This, All of these, the Yes Network, Sports Time, all of these have substantial aspects of overall value for the teams that they carry. Uh, we're talking to Rich Greenfield at Rich BTIG on Twitter. I encourage you to go follow him there. Thank him for getting up early in the morning and talking about this with us. You know what, Rich? I'm going to take a break here. Can you come back with us on the other side? Because I want to talk about where we're headed to in terms of streaming and everything else. I need to get my update in. Absolutely. All right. That's Rich Greenfield. He's going to keep with us. If you have questions for him that you would like to send through me, tweet me right now at Clay Travis. If you're enjoying this conversation, there's something you want me to ask him. Really good follow if you are fascinated by media, evolution, the sports uh, universe in general, technology, and where we're all headed. He's a great follow at Rich BTIG. but you can tweet me if you got questions you'd like me to ask him. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I got tons of questions rolling in from you guys. You can find me on Twitter at Clay Travis. Uh, but first question I want to ask for you is this. Would you rather have stock right now in Netflix, in Disney, or in Comcast? Uh, all three of those companies, obviously, in, in, in meshed. Uh, much of what Comcast and Disney are trying to do right now is compete with Netflix. Who do you think is better set up for the next five to ten years?
0: You know, look, I, I think, it, you know, it's without a doubt, it's Netflix because that's the company that is putting all of their energy into building for the future, you know, if you look at a company like Disney, you know, look, look at the recent launch of ESPN Plus. So they launch a direct-to-consumer sports service without called ESPN, but without ESPN content. So, you know, it is everything from college sports um, to a random MLB game to a little thirty for thirty to a little, um, you know, uh, Ivy League sports. I mean, it, it's literally a hodgepodge of content and you're already paying, if you're a subscriber to multi-channel cable or satellite, you're paying 8 or $9 a month already for ESPN. Now they want you to spend another $5 for their kind of least compelling tertiary content. Uh, that is not, you know, leaning into the future. That is trying to have your cake and eat it, too, and sort of offensive to all of your listeners of, of kind of double-dipping and trying to just take more money from them, um, I think is really tough. You know, it would be one thing to offer everything ESPN direct-to-consumer, This is um, not that. And I think it shows you how legacy media companies are struggling to pivot to this direct-to-consumer future business model that Netflix has exploited so well. So I think, you know, and Disney, look, going back to what we were talking about before, Netflix didn't buy anything. They didn't go out and buy a studio in the U.S. They didn't go out and buy satellite distribution in Europe or in Asia. They just spent money and invested in great content and built a technology platform to stream it all around the world. Disney could do that too. They're looking to buy something rather than just invest to build their business. And so I think that's the core mistake at Disney and that they're struggling with and will struggle with whether or not they win Fox. On the Comcast side, look, I think the challenge for Comcast is the US cable business is slowing, you know. I I don't know how you watch television clay, but you have more options now than ever before. I mean, if you turned on the nba finals it was hard not to miss the youtube tv ads that ran consistently throughout the four game series Uh, if you watch the world series the same thing like youtube tv is forty dollars a month you know i don't think you can get you know comcast for much less than eighty ninety dollars a month when you're looking at video service you can cancel YouTube TV with a few clicks of the button. Uh, you can say, OK, Google, and it turns on with one of your Google Home devices, and you can rewind your YouTube TV. Like The, the, the technology is so far beyond, and the simplicity of it makes it very hard um, for consumers to not want to you know shave the cord, cut the cord. You know, It really is a changing of Comcast's core business. And so I think in many ways the reason Comcast is so interested in buying fox and sky is they're trying to diversify away from a slowing business you know they have a great u.s. cable business that's generated a ton of money over the last you know several decades how do they leverage all of that expertise in running a cable system they try to buy sky overseas how do they leverage or gain more scale in their u.s. content business they buy fox but i don't think comcast is trying to replicate netflix i think they're literally looking at a slowing u.s. cable business and trying to figure out how do they leverage what they already have built in the U.S. with Comcast? And I think it's a natural to look at Fox and Sky as an outgrowth of that. But if you're asking which of the three is most compelling, I think you have to say the one that's moving so rapidly into the future, which is Netflix.
1: It's interesting because the way I think about it is it's hard to win a two-fronted war, as the Germans. Um, and uh, when you think about a, a two-fronted war here, what Disney is trying to do, is they are trying to make money off of their existing cable channels while simultaneously trying to be Netflix. And the Correct. challenge that you run into is, in, in our modern society, it seems like it's hard to be you know, two things at once. Either you have to be a streaming company or you have to be a cable company, and trying to meld the two is difficult. And I'll give you an example, and I think this is an analogy I like to use regularly. Let's use SI, You know, for people out there who are listening to us right now, they'll understand this brand challenge. Sports Illustrated should have owned the internet. When the internet took off in like 1994, 95, and started to become a big deal, Sports Illustrated's brand was pure gold everybody out there listening to me right now who is old enough to be my age, you know, or older, 39 years old, who was going to be on the cover of SI was a big deal. You go to your mailbox, you'd get the Sports Illustrated magazine, you would open it, you couldn't wait, you hoped they wrote about your team or your favorite athletes. It was an exciting moment to go to uh, the mailbox obviously throughout the 80s, 70s and beyond. That was a huge deal, with Sports Illustrated. Problem Sports Illustrated ran into was they were selling these print ads for hundreds of thousands of dollars each. And the ads on the Internet went for nickels and dimes and pennies. And as a result, they said, oh, no, no, we're going to worry about our legacy business, our print publication. We're not going to worry about the Internet. We think it cannibalizes our business. Well, what happened is SI is basically a dead brand now. And there are a lot of other brands that have stepped in that became Internet native and didn't have the existing cost infrastructure or dual business stream to worry about. When I look at this situation now, Uh, I look at Disney and I say, my God, they are in a really difficult position with ESPN and all of their cable channels because that's effectively what's happening right now. They're trying to build a bridge to the digital streaming future while also maintaining one foot in the cable business where they make all their money now. Who can you point to really that has been able to do that to fight this two-fronted war and be successful? I I really just don't know of any brands that have, unless you say Netflix did when they were initially the DVD mail uh, business. But that was so small, it was relatively easy for them to pivot. And frankly, the company almost died even when they did that because people got so mad
0: at them. Well, and look, I think you, you kind of nailed it in the sense of they pivoted and they threw everything into the future. You know, they didn't, they didn't go halfway. They tried initially to go halfway and then quickly realized there was no halfway. You had to just create a, a, a hard break between the two businesses um, and point everything towards streaming, and I, th- I think that's sort of the, the the existential challenge that you're that you're highlighting. That it, it is really hard um, for these companies to do both things well. You know, if you want your best content, you know, so take Disney's going to launch Disney flicks next year, which is their direct-to-consumer streaming service, kind of a direct competitor to Netflix. But they're not going to take their movies out of the movie theater. So while Netflix is creating movies directly for Netflix. Disney's not going to take their big high-profile blockbusters like Black Panther or Star Wars and move them, you know, day and date. Is that to the what they need service. to do? If you were if you were in charge of Disney right now, would you say, "You know what, guys,
1: it's time to recognize that the schematic has changed. You made a billion dollars on they Black Panther." They have the Panther. best
0: content. They yeah. have the best content in the world. If they put all of the world's best content onto a streaming service and said it's $20 a month, you get new release movies, everything on ABC, everything on Disney Channel, you would absolutely subscribe. And they'd have tens of millions of subscribers all around the world. So the the ability for Disney to, quote-unquote, win is there. They're just too scared of the disruption that it would cause to all of their partners and all of their legacy business models and even their near-term earnings that management's rewarded off of. They're just scared to do the right thing. They know what the right thing to do is.
1: And for people out there who are listening, thinking about this, the right thing is, hey, the new Star Wars movie is going to be distributed through what you're calling Disney flicks. The new Black Panther movie is going to be right there. You need to put all of that compelling content that you own, all the Marvel Studios, the Star Wars, the Pixar films, every Incredibles 2, I think, that's coming out soon. All that Play to happen. win. Yeah. By the way, I want to ask you this. You've been on top of this. What happened with Solo? Why did uh, so few people – I went and took my boys to, to go see it. We liked it. I thought it was a fairly quality movie. Why is it tanked? Why is Disney going to lose money on it?
0: I don't know. You know, I think trying to forecast box office, I don't think anyone would have forecast that Black Panther would have done the box office it did on the upside. Wonder Woman for Warner Brothers was a huge surprise hit last year. Uh, sometimes things just don't work, you know. It, it, was it too much too soon? Was it too many other movies, you know, clogging the pipeline? Uh, meaning a bad release date, I, I don't honestly know. I mean, there's probably a combination of factors. Uh, I think the, the, you know, the, the risk for Disney or the fear is what does this do to the franchise and has it hurt the franchise? Does it make, you know, they're trying to come out with, you know, for this new Disney flick service, they're planning on launching a TV series uh, around Star Wars. And so, you know, are, are, they, a, are they effectively overdoing it? Um, was it just not the best content? I I don't think, I think we're going to need more time to tell what actually happened and probably, you know, we'll see how the next film does or how the TV series does. But I think there's folks you know, in and around Disney who are very concerned by the underperformance here. I mean, this is, you know, the fact that, uh, it took, you know, three weeks for this film to get to what Rogue One did in one weekend, um, is not lost on anyone in the media universe.
1: We're talking to Rich Greenfield. Follow him on Twitter at RichBTIG. Rich, I'm getting blown up on Twitter by uh, by LA area sports fans. They have ended up in this regional sports mess where you can't get certain games on certain networks. And this, I think, is probably a big part of why fans should be paying attention to stories like these. And they're asking, what sort of resolution can fans expect? You know, I don't know how much attention
0: you paid to the We're LA We're talking area. Dodgers specifically? Yes. yes.
1: I mean, it has been a mess.
0: You know, there's one company to blame for this, and that's Spectrum. You know, Spectrum bought Time Warner Cable, and um, Spectrum's been, you know, this has been a problem they have just have not been able to solve. They overspent on the content, and they don't have any easy way out for, for getting that content more distributed. Uh, you know, I think, look, the the only answer for sports fans, honestly, is to change your provider.
1: And that is always a challenge, right because people get into these long-term contracts and everything else. And so when you look at this, do you think there'll be more battles like like the one that we've seen with the Dodgers in la because that's really I think where the rubber meets the road as these content and distribution battles get worked out. the money gets so substantial that we get guys who are not willing to blink. For instance, Comcast recently pulled
0: the Big Ten network off of many of the tiers that it carries. Yeah. Um, you know look i think I think the answer is going to be that you know we've started to quote unquote um, shrink the bundle, so you know your fans can sign up if they don 't care about sports, they can get Philo um, for like sixteen dollars a month, which is kind of a sportsless bundle uh, if they want you know a lot of sports, they can sign up for youtube t v uh, if they want some sports, they could get you know one of the sling packages for twenty dollars a month I think the the reality is all of your listeners are going to be empowered meaning they can choose if they're you know they can sign up for youtube tv for football season and cancel the minute it ends if they're not big fans outside of football Uh, i think you're gonna have a lot of flexibility in how you manage your subscriptions for the content that you really want i think the idea that you know somebody comes into your home and puts multiple set-top boxes that are these huge ugly antiquated pieces of hardware that make it impossible to turn your service on and off without going to a store to drop off the equipment and waiting on hold and all of that. I think those days are, are going to rapidly disappear over the next few years. And I think, you know, with the help of a Roku an Apple TV, a fire stick, you're going to be able to basically have a a, a TV service, a subscription TV service on demand that you can turn on and off whenever you want. And you're going to have some that have lots of channels and some that have fewer channels. And it's really going to be empowering to the consumer.
1: Last question for you. There are a bunch of major tech companies out there. We started off talking about Amazon getting in with EPL and making a big bid for the EPL just in England. You've got Amazon, you've got Netflix, you have got Facebook, you have got uh, Apple, all these big tech companies out there. Do you think those four companies that I just named, Amazon, you think about this stuff all the time, Amazon, Netflix, uh, Google, and Facebook, if you were advising, sorry, Apple instead of Google, if you were advising those companies, would you tell them to get into sports or not?
0: I think many of the companies you just named have a real vested interest in the media industrial complex, we'll call it. Meaning, you know, you pay $80, 90 $100 a month for multi-channel television. I think a lot of these companies have a vested interest in that ecosystem collapsing. If, you know, if we think of the media world as a Jenga, you know, a game of Jenga, you know, you're kind of, you started to pull a lot of the pieces out. So, you know, you don't need to, the best TV programming is is no longer on broadcast television. Uh, Obviously, it's whether it's HBO or it's Netflix, there's lots of great content. Uh, Apple's ramping up great content. The, The last Jenga piece that's holding up the whole game really feels like it's sports. And if you kind of pull or push that last piece through, i don't know what happens to the whole kind of legacy media world and so i think one of these companies is going to push pretty hard on sports whether it ultimately is apple or amazon or facebook or some combination thereof i think a lot of these companies are highly interested in disrupting this legacy media world that you know again consumers are paying you know think about it you're paying eighty dollars a month you want a few channels I mean, you have to buy all of these channels that you don't want. I mean, it's a whole business model built on you overpaying for content. Like, in in the Internet, it just disrupts all of this inefficiency. And so I think all of these companies that are built around the Internet, built around tech, look at this odd inefficiency of everybody pays for everything and goes, there has to be a better way. And so I I do think that you're going to see the tech companies come in and disrupt sports, It's a slower process because sports rights only come up X number of years. You know, just like the EPL deal we started talking about, that's now a three-year deal. And so, you know, if Amazon wants a much bigger rights package, they have to wait three years after, you know, getting their feet warm with this small package they just won last week.
1: Outstanding stuff, as always. Follow him on Twitter, RichBTIG, at RichBTIG on Twitter. My man, I appreciate the time. You killed it. We'll talk to you again maybe later after all these rulings come down. Good luck this week. Thanks, bye.